we figured out how to use Zoom. We are techies. <laughs> we are so techies. Nerds. Nerds. Giant, giant freaking nerds. In this week's episode, the dorks talk to Brad Hendricks and look specifically at how ITM has begun to resurface as the preferred content style for those who fabricate. And we're live. That's right. Episode 56. Straight out of content. That's right. We got Brad Hendricks with us. We're going to have a killer time. I'm actually going to bow out and let these nerds talk to you because I have zero clue about what they're talking about when it comes to this. And I'm only halfway. If y'all recognize the background, thanks to Nathan Wood for letting us kick this thing off uh, from his basement. Uh, this is part of our CPC podcasting world. So with does that, he have a, does he have a jar of money from all the money we've sent him for dropping the Nathanisms? Is that sitting around here somewhere? Well, there's a new laptop here. Oh. And I think we may have bought that. <laughs> the, the thing of money is gone. And that should be a tax write off for us. Yes, I, think. I think so. <laughs> there's a new MacBook. For those that listening that don't know, and Brad, if you don't know the CPC, Construction Progress Coalition, Nathan Seawood has lots of uh, awesome sayings and we have to pay him every time we use it. So <laughs> guess what, guys? You're alone on this episode. So shared pains. Show me how I'm measured and I'll show you how I act. Uh, What's a, What's another one? I Rising need? Tide. Rising Tide lifts all ships. There you go. And with that, have an awesome time. Brad, take care. See you guys. Right on. Right on. So since Jeff's leaving and, and I've been dying to have a drink, I'm going to have <laughs> Travis introduce his drink first. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I was saying earlier that I am leaving for the weekend, so I am staying sober tonight so that I can help pack and get us out the out the out the door. So I have uh, water, just uh, cool, refreshing water, some high quality H two O. There you go. What about you, Trent? Well, if you look at the, I got the the nice little dram, but the MCA Innovations uh, glass here, and in that. From our friends at Flaviar. Uh, this will be see sample C. I've got the journeyman from Featherbone, which is a oh, four-year-old right bourbon. Um, so I'm gonna make it through that tasting, and then I would say probably halfway through the show, I'll have uh, a straight bourbon from Few. As well, that one's that so, few's a good one. I like yeah. that one. Man, I'm always jealous, of you guys. You can't get that in PA. I'm just like I've I've tried. I even like almost um that what what's uh, someone was gonna drop ship it to me for a little while just because that you can't ship it in. I'm doing um I I wanted to like an, I'm doing a Basil Hayden. Um, oh, nice, nice. But this is like my wife's favorite. So like when I took it, she literally gave me like an evil look and was like, <laughs> hey. Hey, <laughs> if, if you drink that, you 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 must replace it. And I got these. These are awesome. Someone sent me these, and they're like espresso glasses, but they're now my favorite bourbon glasses. Because <laughs> no one can tell exactly how much bourbon I put in them. And I'm always like, you know, I mean, they're only like 2.8 ounces, so they're not big. But like, mm. no one can see where I'm at no in my see. bourbon for the day. <laughs> nice. Um, nice. Hey, so Brad, why don't you introduce your drink, but also introduce yourself? Because I, I think there's a lot of people out there who haven't don't know you and, and don't know what you do. Um, and um, considering you're sort of one of the content kings within the industry, um, it's always surprising. <laughs> it's always surprising <laughs> me. Well, I have a, you know, watching you guys' podcasts and seeing uh, the last few where you talk about how people came into their positions and, and from crazy backgrounds and uh, my background's pretty crazy. I came from the analytical uh, side of like started out in the gold mining industry in the lab there. There happened to be one here in this giant town of Pocatello, Idaho. <laughs> and, uh, uh, buddy of mine that I graduated high school with, his dad had this uh, assay lab. And so I started off in that and uh, did that kind of work for about 14 years and loved it uh, and end up 
back to Idaho and uh, doing for a phosphate company <laughs> lab <laughs> there and then to the city of Pocatello's lab uh, testing, you know, water, wastewater and all of that. So that's my background. And it was my brother, Scott, that got me into this. He called me up and said, uh, we need to get you out of there. <laughs> and I'm glad he did. Uh, and so we started virtual billing supply, just creating content. For when companies. did that start, man? When yeah. did that start? Uh, oh boy. About six years ago. About six years maybe, ago. Maybe seven. Because I spent about a year, you know, doing both jobs at night, him training <laughs> and <laughs> building parts and then went full time. Uh, and And that's where it really took off because as you're building content for uh, companies, you just learn so much of what in the world they're going through. The best clients in the world are ones that know what they're doing. Uh, and of course, the ones that don't, it's just a struggle <laughs> because you're trying to, you know, help them out and, and they don't have the training, but, uh, but just literally building content and helping with uh, databases for six years and doing nothing else but that. Uh, and I think that's the difference. And so. So what are you drinking? Off. <laughs> I'm bringing uh, uh, Grand Teton Brewing 208, uh, the right. area code of Idaho. Nice. Uh, uh, because I do love beer. <laughs> <laughs> we do as well. We do as well. I, I, I got to say, Scott's the one that I used when I set up my databases. Actually, mm -hmm. that's not true. I was one of those companies that had it totally wrong. And then I went to a <laughs> bunch of classes and thought I had it right. And then I went to a class and Scott stood up there and like explained exactly what I was doing and, and the way that I understood it and then followed up with, this is completely wrong. Don't do that. You know, it was like... It was like <laughs> No, I, I understand completely, Jonathan, what you're doing and it's wrong, you know? Yeah. We got, it's, we got to redo it. It's kind of like every, you know, um, every head coach, every, you know, leader of a team stresses things like fundamentals, right? It's like, how do you, how do you get down to the bare bones of what you're doing? And that's kind of the thing with content, I, in my opinion, is it was... And especially from the contractor world, it was seen by leaders in the contractor world. And, and I had to hear it for a long time that like, you know, someone's going to solve this, you know, uh, mm -hmm. the vendors are going to solve this. You know, I don't know how many years I heard, like, you know, uh, the, the vendors are, they're going to produce the content and they're going to give it to us and it's gonna, not going to be a big deal. Okay. Yeah. Or you heard, um, you know, uh, you know, we do a lot of cool things in the MCAA or, or SMACNA, NECA, these organizations. It's like, or they're going to solve it. You know, someone's going to solve this. And the contractors never really thought that, that like, they kind of overlooked how important it Like, you know, someone's going to solve this. We shouldn't invest in this. Um, and I think if they would have, a, a lot of us, if we would have held that mentality for a long time, we would have missed out on a lot of time because fast forward 2022 now how many years later no one has solved it right i yeah. mean no um yeah and i would be curious to see brad what your opinion is of of why that is I and mean, there's a lot of varying opinions out there i think that um to go a little bit further on trent's analogy and we're talking about like coaches and stuff like that everybody has their own little style right and each company that was doing it well kind of adopted their own style but but what has held it back what do you think you know is it a i don't think it's a technical issue yeah that that is kind of a tough one but i think that um i, I guess most companies just they want an easy fix and then the people that are actually capable of doing this and making the content for everyone, well, who's going to pay for it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it it takes an, because where content has been built, the stuff that's been built right are the ones that are actually using it. Right. Prefabbing, cutting, going, yep. oh, well, crap, this one is all right. And that's where the mistakes get caught. Mm 
so who who's going to pay for that? And so that's been the real, I think, hurdle is that there hasn't been a big player come in. You, we hear all kinds of talk about it, but nobody follows through with we're going to build the content, we're going to build it right, we're going to make sure everything is verified uh, because, boy, have I seen a lot of content. There's quite a few manufacturers that are making their own content, mm-hmm. and it's awful, just <laughs> awful. Yeah. Because, yeah. first of all, they have no idea about the industry. This right. part of it is what – and so what they do, they, they just find the lowest bidder. Well, that has not worked out very well. No. Uh, and so, yeah, it really comes down to money and they don't see the importance of it. Well, I, I think I want to rewind for people that don't like, cause yeah, Jeff, Jeff left and Jeff is usually the voice that like, would stop <laughs> oh, us and go, right. guys, we don't know. So I was about to rewind and let, let's yeah. talk about con- Kind of what is content. There might be, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and um, I, I think I have a good way to kick it off. So um, when I first went to Spader Company, uh, like 15 years ago, all right, um, I thought Revit was going to was gonna be the thing. And I was literally inside Revit building families with this content. And that's what we say when we're building content is we're building parts and pieces to build things out of. So I was building my own content in Revit. And um, one of the guys there goes to this seminar and he comes back and he says, how many, how many pieces of content do you have in your library? And I'm like, oh, I got like, man, I, I probably got a thousand. And, and he started laughing. I'm like, what's up? He says, hey, did you know that you can buy a library? You'll have to get out of Revit. You'll have to go into this fab, you know, fab MEP product that has like 50,000 pieces of content. And so my eyes got big and, and I... I, I took the plunge and I, I I went ahead and moved all of what we were doing to fabrication. It wasn't called that back then. It was called TSI. I went I went full blown TSI, one fail swoop, out of the box database, and I thought everything was going to be fine. And holy crap, was I in for in 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 for a, a big ride. But like that was that was that was one of the major changes. Is like back then, all the way fifteen years ago. TSI had content digital twins of, of, of products within the market for us to build stuff out of that. That was like 50,000 to 75,000 uh, pieces strong. It wasn't right, but like it was, it was large, <laughs> but when did like, what was the first content that, that you were using Trent? Like when you very, when you started like building out VDC for North. Oh gosh! So the 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 first VDC venture um, at North would have been uh, coordinating. I guess really CAD based would have been coordinating 3D AutoCAD using a um, add-on in AutoCAD called CAD Pipe. That was the, um, but it was not content based. You know, um, uh, it was really slick and automated, and it was quick and and got to where you needed to be, but it wasn't, um, you know, when we, when we say content, we're talking about like manufactured parts and pieces, right? Like how do you, uh, for those of you that don't, the listeners that don't understand, you know, it's like, how, how do you make sure you have the right parts and pieces that are ensuring fabrication is detailed to the level, uh, that a shop needs, you know, to, to produce it. Um, and that wasn't doing it. So, um, we actually didn't start in fabrication or um, the CAD MEP world. You know, we we went to Revit in 2013, 2014. And that was, at that point, um, Trimble's Siskiyou product uh, was the kind of the only thing inside of Revit at that point. Um, you know, we, we kind of decided early that we were going to marry ourselves to what the project teams were using. So that's where we were. Um, and then we were inside of Trimble Siskiyou pretty heavily up until a, uh, a couple of years ago. But uh, as of a couple of years ago, we're um, into our own uh, fabrication ITM database now. So, um, and, th- and there's multiple reasons for that. There's uh, different, you know, um, 
I think each one, I think there's pros and cons to both sides, but when it came to heavy fabrication, we, we had to ensure some accuracy and it was the ability to kind of dictate what your team was using, you know, so building your own database, building your own profiles, that kind of thing, uh, we decided was, was worth the, the time and investment. Travis, how about you, man? When when did you guys start to really like? I think you're ITM based, right? We are ITM based, and I'll be completely honest. A lot of that stuff happened well before I got there. But I know, um, you know, I think when when I well when I got there six years ago, they already had well, they had a sheet metal side that was ITM based that they'd had for quite a while um, through the CAM CAD CAM side of the things, and then. Um, their piping database at that time was three or four years old already too. So about a decade ago. Um, <clears throat> and I think that Brad, I'm kind of curious. You probably see this a lot when you start working in people's databases, you see a lot of fingerprints. Like there's, there is some um, virtual building stuff in there. There is some building, building content. There is some, this, some, that, like <laughs> as we kind of go through the process of in, in, I mean, not, we also build a lot of our own content, but it, it is usually loosely based off of it. So I think that's, you know, I think that um, we started like a lot of contractors there. We probably bought somebody's starter pack, probably a TSI thing, I would imagine, and kind of off we went. Hey, do you see, Brad, a lot of the original TSI database as you're looking in things? Because they, they, they did have fingerprints on that thing. You could tell what was the originals. I got. I still have a glass pipe service. That's original. <laughs> right, right, and that's usually when I start working with somebody. Where did it start? That's the first <laughs> thing I want to know is where did your database start, uh, and it just helps give you an idea of their background, how long they've been using it, uh, and all that kind of stuff. It really helps. But yes, yeah, I, I've seen it all. <laughs> So, Brad, when when um, they started to go to Revit before the ITMs were really being used in there, um, were you already involved, or was that before you really got involved with with building content? It was just starting off, yeah. uh, and that was kind of a worry that oh boy, this is just going to take over. And it's turned out no, ITMs are still yeah, they they still hold so much more data. Uh, and we can go on and on. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I think that's been the battle. Like part of the reason that I wanted to have you on is um, Brett Stacks was like, he's like, hey, we did a poll. And it turns out that 70% of the construction market is using ITM, not RFA. Um, and, and it's been a huge argument. We had Andy Robbins on, who was sort of the progenitor of all this that created it all. Um, we've had, a, we had um, Jeff Elwell on, I think, to argue for RFA. Um, however, I think he has since moved to ITM. <laughs> like, okay, he did a good argument. We, we kind of like, did our oh, own God, internal poll of, of people we know. And it's like, who, who use, I, I mean, I think that Stacey Zara was the last one I really knew that was really fighting for, for RFA. And I, you know, I mean, we were up until a couple of years ago too. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, can you succeed in both worlds? I mean, I, I think you. You, you can succeed in both worlds, but when you, when you start to dice it up and, and try to figure out what's most efficient, it was, it was just the fact that the RFAs were just a little too freelance, right? It was kind of, um, I think the simplicity of it wins sometimes where, uh, you know, the ITMs have a lot more connection rules and, a lot, and a Brad, I, I mean, you could kind of dive into that a little more, but um, your, you know, let's say you have a team of detailers. Like I know Doug, you know, Doug Smith, you look at DSI, whose detailing team is over a hundred people, right? I mean, how do you control that? I mean, how do you reel that in? I mean, that's a real problem. I mean, you're, you're trying to feed maybe, four, five, six fabrication shops, whatever they have, through 100 plus people who are designing and detailing for those shops. So how do you manage that? And I think the content has to support that management somehow, some way. 
when I mentioned how bad manufacturer ITMs are, the RFAs are even worse. The stuff you find out there, it is just awful. Awful. And so it, it just doesn't work. And so then what happens, the company has to decide, okay, well, let's learn to make our own RFAs. We'll start building them. Then they see how long it takes. <laughs> and they're just like, whoa. <laughs> you know, uh, it, it's just such a setback. And they look at the thousands, like you're talking about, you know, tens of hundreds of thousands of items. And you're going to build that in RFAs and how long it takes. And so it's... Because the real issue is the people that are building most of those haven't actually fabricated them. They haven't been verified because once you start cutting pipe and start uh, realizing whether your content is any good or not, and that's when you find out how awful the RFAs are that are out there that you can download. Oh, look, we just go and get all this stuff. Oh, mercy. <laughs> it's right. bad. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we... You know, as a, and that's where I use like the head coach kind of analogy behind it. It's like, you know, back to the fundamentals. You have to kind of talk to your companies about how that content, that database is, is a bit of the fundamental for what you're trying to run. I mean, that is driving your fab shop. You're trying to use that as a way to, to standardize and flow what those guys are doing. I mean, you wouldn't. I mean, if I, if I went to an executive and said, you know, I want to bring just anyone in to run this fabrication, you know, to, to run this shop, they wouldn't agree to choose the lowest labor or somebody who didn't know what they were doing. But when you talk about something on the digital side, sometimes people are very quick to, to agree that, well, we could have someone overseas or someone, you know, produce this stuff, but does any of the labor downstream work efficiently if the very backbone of it isn't right? I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I can't count on the people in my shop to double check the content once it hits right. the, you know, so it really is a fundamental thing, I think. And, and I'm not trying to preach for the fact that your database team should be the highest paid people in the company or anything, but I think you don't want to overlook the importance of it. Right. I mean, and I think that's what happens. You know, you're looking at how do we do this cheaper? How do we do this cheaper? And that's where they want to cut the cost. But none of the rest of it downstream really matters if it's wrong. Hey, hey, Brad, like when you come in and you were talking to a company, what did you think they needed? Like, did you think they definitely needed a database guy of their own on top of what you guys were doing? Or like how, what was your best case scenario? And, and what would you tell? Like, I mean, these smaller companies, don't have a lot of money, but like, like Trent said, if your, if your parts are wrong, man, you fabs wrong. And this is just problems. It's all problems. So, so what's like the, what, what did you see there? What was the, what was like a good mix of in-house and, and outsourced? Well, well, in it, the reason that uh, virtual billing supply even existed was because you only have so many choices, right? Between buying the, the package deal database that has a whole bunch of fittings and you're going to have to learn uh, to create your own uh, because you can't just get a package for everybody. It doesn't work that way. Uh, these out-of-the-box databases just don't work because companies are so different. And so the thought process was how about we just provide the content that they need on top of that? So they buy a package, they're missing this, 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 and this. We can fill in those gaps because they have a choice. You build it yourself. And uh, like, you know, Darren Young spent a lot of time on what does it take to build an ITM correctly? If you do it right and you do a product line, covers the easy stuff to the hard stuff, mm -hmm. it's about four hours an item. You start adding that price up, oof. And there's a whole slew of, well, not a slew. There's that handful of companies that have done that and been building for a long time. They know what it costs <laughs> to build their own content. Uh, and so 
Uh, and that's what I, I used, you know, my background of just extensive Excel use to how can I streamline this process, make it faster, better, more accurate uh, than it's ever been done. And, uh, and that way we can show them, okay, we can do this at a fraction of the cost. You could do it yourself. So that was the, the model. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think it was funny because I've, I've taken clients through uh, VBS's website and they're looking at the money for the services and they go, oh my gosh. And I'm like, no, you don't get it. Like, like hour for hour, right. that's half what you're going to spend, man. That's half what you're going to spend. It goes back to something we talk about a lot. We never go back and we and reprice mistakes we didn't make, right? If you have good yes. content, you're saving yourself so much time and money up front. But all we ever get stuck on is that that initial price tag. And, and we as a company even went through the same struggle. We're trying to convince ourselves that we needed a full-time database manager. You know, we, we have a pretty good sized BDC team. We do a fair amount of work and it, it took us a while to realize it. And it, the other mindset too, and I, I bet you Brad will chuck at the chuckle at this, like we had to convince um, management after a while that this will never be done. This will never be done because they would come in every six months and say, is the database done yet? Is the database done yet? You know, well, never. How about when when a manufacturer, you know, who's gonna who's gonna be your partner or your guy who takes care of when a manufacturer changes their casting process or changes the dimensions of their own fittings? I mean, we see it uh, in the plastic world; it's a big deal, right? Yep. I mean, in your weld fittings and your copper stuff, it's not as big a deal. Sorry, I'm gonna apologize for my dog; he's <laughs> he's down here, uh, but. It's what if you see me looking down, he's um, but yeah, um, I mean, we don't see a lot of changes in like the the actual stamped manufactured pieces like weld fittings and, and stuff like that. But in the plastic world, their dies, their their casting changes a lot. So when they know, have three are, different ways of manufacturing a T and they're all right. to the same. Oh, yeah. And if you want to if, if you want to manufacture it, it's gotta be right. And your content right. has to be right. I mean you know, I, I can speak for the fact, you know, I work, you know, manage a VDC team where what we put out is, is it's going to be ordered. It's going to be built. There are no questions asked. So if you can't trust that, then I mean, you're going to lose somewhere, right? I mean, uh, you know, who's going to be the people that catch that. So it's back to the fundamentals. I mean, the info has to be correct. Um, and that's part of, you know, so I think what what people like VBS set up and uh, um, Microdesk, I know they they do a similar uh, like database. Or, you know, there are some people out there that what they've set up is, I think they're good partnerships for contractors. That I mean, some kind of way to ensure what you're doing is going to be accurate and making sure that you have what you need. So yeah, I think there are manufacturers that have tried. And, and like Brad said, it, it's always, it always comes down to they don't build, right? So when they don't build, right. they don't know. I, 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 when I started working with me and Brad started working on a project together and um, we were going through content and we found out that just the pictures that this one manufacturer, like one manufacturer put out content where the pictures that they used as the visuals, instead of being like 2K, you know, like really small pictures, they were like, five meg and and they had like yeah. geographic data on them and like we're like well why isn't anything working why is it all going slow and it's a stupid picture or and and um i don't know if you guys have experienced this but if you're in the rfa world ever and like you get a valve from a manufacturer and it has like the manufacturer's logo on it and so the valve's like 15 meg and we're going to use a hundred of them in a building and it's like yeah. well i have a gigabyte of valves in my building and that was one of the that was one of the big pluses of the the sure. ITM world was like this is super lightweight data. It's all like really small items. Um, Hell, yeah, the pretty, pictures of it were heavier than right. the data. Pretty, pretty isn't productive, right? No, I mean, <laughs> kind of comes down to it. You know, maybe there's somebody that wants to see that, but as a manufacturer, I don't need to see the logo on the. You know, that's that's kind of going overboard. Um, but yeah, even going back to logos, like even, 
a mismanaged database like the P, you know, the PNG logos that we use for the parts, even having the wrong picture of something in the, you know, yeah. now do you have people drawing the wrong content based on the, the wrong? I mean, the, there's a lot of things that can happen, right? Brad, what's the, what's like the, there's going to be manufacturers out there that want to know what do they screw up most often? When you look at like the manufacturers that put out content, what would you say is uh, uh, other than they can't measure their fucking dimensions? Is a tape rule, but like other than that, like data wise, like, is it the connector name? Like, what do they mess up most often? Well, the biggest thing is the dimensional data. It's all screwed up. You know, the, the actual takeoff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you know, they, the real issue is they're uh, the people who build for these manufacturers. There was one company in particular that I probably can't say that w- did a lot of going after manufacturers all over the world, creating their content. And it got farmed out to other parts of the world who had no idea what they were building. And so they were just cranking them out and, Anybody has any issue, I just pull up, I look at the ID to see, because it's pretty easy to tell. It didn't take very long to tell who built it. There's only so many people out there building content. And uh, I usually right away, and as soon as I see this one particular, like, there's no way this is going to be right. <laughs> and the, just... I had, a, I had a brilliant phone call with... with um, I can't, I, I won't name the company, but it was way back when. And they're asking me, they're like, oh, talk to our people that are making this content because me and this other pipe fitter that was out of Pittsburgh, we had built a bunch of parts for this manufacturer because we needed them because we were buying them and we needed to fab. And we, we did the phone call and the first question that he w- was asked was, so how many millimeters is that? And I was like, oh, we're in deep trouble. <laughs> we're in deep trouble. And I'm like, you're going to hire somebody that, that lives in a millimeter world to build English measurements. And mm. they're asking me how to do the conversion. It's probably not going to go well for you. Not a good start. This is probably going to be bad. When I had companies, you know, reach out uh, of stuff that they've downloaded and it was so bad, they finally realized, okay, we got to pay somebody to get this made. So I make it. And when it's a big contractor buying a lot of stuff, they have some polls. So they call the manufacturer. Your stuff you're offering on your website is garbage. You need to, you know, give me a call. And uh, and so I, I'll hear from them. And I start to explain. And, and they want to know what it's going to cost to fix it. And it's like, uh, no, there's no fixing. Because if there's, you know, 15 things wrong and I find 10, there's still five things wrong. Right. When if I build it myself, then I know it's going to be right. And, uh, and, and then, you know, whether you're going to pay for it again, you know. <laughs> and so the manufacturers, they just, until contractors put enough pressure on them to say, the stuff you're offering is absolute garbage, it needs trash, it needs to be done by somebody who knows what they're doing then this problem is going to continue. When I kind of wonder if we've kind of reached a tipping point where a lot of us are building our own content, if we would even want it at this point. Um, Well, there's a bunch of companies like that that uh, wouldn't even use uh, my service that I used to do (laughs) because they're just so afraid. They've been burned so many times that they just choose to do it themselves. We kind of don't like to give up control. Uh, and, and y'all do it different, just so you know. Right. Like like over the last two years, I've got to see, how Brad, how many people have uploaded databases? It's like freaking 90 people uploading databases. And me and Brad are looking at them and we're like, what did you do? How did you do? Like, <laughs> do, do you remember the guy, like the no gaskets? The no gaskets was one of my favorite. Right. We, we right. have a guy that has removed gaskets from everything and bolt sets from everything and put a spacer in there. And then like change the, like it was crazy. Like we couldn't even figure out how it worked. And we had, well, it access- wasn't even a, it wasn't even a spacer. They just moved the connector out to make up the space <laughs> for the gasket. 
and then just set everything to a connectivity of none. Anybody that knows how to build content, so that just everything connects together. Yep. And uh, and that's when you know, oh, they're not even using design line back in the day. They're just putting one piece at a time. I mean, as slow and awful as it gets. There shouldn't uh, be a problem if you take a piece of cast iron and you hook it up to a piece of PVC, right? That that no, works. It should just go right away. It just spits. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, just that spits. would be Revit families. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. Uh, yeah. And then I think mm. companies they so then they finally they hear enough. They hear enough griping from all around them about their uh, content, and they finally decide, okay, we got to get serious about this. And then they pick somebody that's just you know as busy as can be. You're going to be the database manager while you're still doing your other job. Right. Yeah. And that just doesn't work. Well, that's no. contracting 101, right? I mean, yeah. that, that, that's, yeah. I mean, that's common in a lot of our industry. I mean, when, when you identify something that needs to be taken care of, it's like, well, how do we solve it internally? And these, yeah, I mean, that, that happens a lot. We see that in the PM world and estimating world and, lot of other things so um i mean the the best way i can describe it is it's you know we 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 looked back at that like travis had said you know where you connect like you know you, you have these dissimilar connections happening so it's you know what would be the argument against a database and a database manager and it would be well you know like the the revit rfas you know we can if we hire competent detailers, then we don't have to worry about all that. You you don't need to standardize that. Like they'll know what to look for. So, but what's the real answer? You know, you look at a company like DSI, like keep talking about Doug Smith and then with over a hundred detailers, it's so you're more worried about a hundred plus people to recognize that mistake. Or are you more worried about three, four, five database guys to recognize that mistake, right? I mean, it's it's going back to, if we could keep a hundred people from from making that mistake accidentally, you know, where where's the real value? I mean, I think it just comes back to the the actual skeleton and, and, and the bones of what we're doing. It's, if, if we can get the database right, I, I think, think it's going to allow- the- that's where the database manager, whoever you put in charge, that position is just critical. And it's hard to get them to understand that. And once they understand that, uh, you know, that person can get the training. There's plenty out there uh, to get the training, get up to speed. And then that feeds those hundred people of what needs to happen instead of this nightmare of hundred people struggling and to me it's it's just a simple solution uh if somebody if something is feeding that many people to me it's obvious that then that database needs to be uh number one i mean that, that person needs to be paid well they need to be well trained they need to have the time to do it they can't be modeling at the same time Yes, and and and, uh, and I think where they get it mixed up is a database manager. I think when you measure uh, field experience versus uh, dork experience, what what what's going to be the most time they're going to be spending uh, throughout their day? And it's the dork stuff. Yeah, and if you get the right person. Uh, then that part will be taken care of. And if something isn't mulling just perfect, they'll be showing, oh, and they'll just fix it immediately. Right. You know, right. right. Uh, and I think that's where uh, companies get kind of skewed is they think it needs to be the best uh, field guy. When no, it, it needs to be a, a pretty good geek that, mm-hmm. uh, that can handle the, all the geeky issues that's going to burn those 100 people. And I got to say, like, in some of the companies that have a mature bat- database, and I th- throw Hills up there for that. Hills got a mature yeah. database. And by that, it's all you guys listening, I mean, it's got labor in there. It's got costs in there. And they're leveraging it to do everything. Like, like we were sitting in a meeting and everybody's like, how do we figure out how to do our costs at the beginning of the job right? 
And and Dave's over there snickering into his, his hand going, <laughs> right. well, gee, I don't know. There's there's like, and he's like, well, there's an actual product that did all these things you were asking for. We yeah, just, he told me, he's like, I don't know how you not do this, right? Yes. You know? I mean, that's just kind of, yeah. It, it's yeah, such the a ones hard... that have been there, yeah, they can't even believe that other companies aren't doing this, that they're not using EST, that they're not right. building up those ITMs that have, can hold all this data for them so as they're going along it's creating the cost it's i mean they know exactly what it's that didn't happen overnight for dave and hill right i mean that's no you know that's a probably a 15 to 20 year venture on there no but but dave and hill and then what you what both of you are doing um you know john with field orders and brad you're doing gtp it it shows you that the the data the garbage in garbage out what what we can start to do um when we've tried to do what well, you can't do it perfect when we try to do our best throughout the whole process you can do some really cool things at the end you know we are getting into that age where i think a lot of the construction companies out there are starting to realize that um we are starting to ask about some analytics on things and and some you know i i've been to a couple of conferences where i've seen you know power bi out of your database power bi of this and that and the other thing and all this analytics you, you can't do that if you haven't done the data right exactly yeah yeah I, we're talking about all this data collection but your data if your data sucks it, you can collect all you want right that's the yeah. it's data governance really is what the itm gave you was data governance right like like rfas there's no rules but in 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 ITM, That's the Wild West. Yeah. yeah, in ITM there was there was these pattern files, and you couldn't go too far afield from that. And then you bring in some people like like Hill Group will go talk about it. Scott went and talked about it. Brad. You talk about people all the time, and it's like you know if you have a good pattern that has limits, and then you have good rules, you have good data governance. Now you can really do some things. And and I look at like, you know, when people say, well, well, my data guy is just going to sit there when he's not doing stuff. Everybody that I know that has an internal data manager, like a database manager, that database manager has come up with some cool shit when he's sitting around. Yeah. Like, idle times, like, good. Idle times yeah. Yeah. cool things happen, right? I yeah. mean, yeah. yeah it, I will shout out to Autodesk though about when when are we going to see the uh, the structural steel ITMs make their way into Revit? I think that's uh, there are some CAD IDs that I would like to see, but and we're happy with what we have, right? But okay, right. so just to tell you, you can hack those back into being. Um, and I didn't know this until Andy told me. Andy's like, "Oh no 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 no! They they had this little thing where you go in there and right click on the products that you wrapped, and now they show up in Revit. So some of that happened." And and they're still working on it. I I, I have to say, and and I, you know, Andy who 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 made these things originally has started to to make you know make ways to broadcast all of that data into the cloud, so you can have better tools to do things and more ability to automate that. And I think that's the best chance we have with the ITM stuff at, at getting this done is that we we resolve those those items to data and then use the tools that are out there to, to fix the data rather than, you know, trying to manually do it. Cause Brad, your, your job's still very manual. Like, although you showed me some neat automation this morning, um, <laughs> but, but your job's still very manual, right? Right. And that's a neat thing with uh, working with Andy is that, and you, we know that this can be changed. It doesn't have to be this way. And uh, I'm pretty excited about that. I don't know if we could talk too much about that, but there's some exciting things coming. There are some exciting things coming. I have a good question for you um, and for all of you. So I've seen the entire mechanical market go from, oh, yeah, we're going to make RFAs work to, well, screw it. We're going to go back to ITM. And now I work with Nico all the time and work with electrical contractors. And they're like, no, 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 you can't do that ITM stuff. We're going to do all our families. Do you think any of you, because I'm starting to believe that sooner or later, they're going to just go, wait a second, hold on. What do you mean it can have all the labor and have all, like, what do you think is going to happen? Do you think the electrical market will finally say, okay, we're fabricating more now. Forget it. We're, we're going to go and, and reach into that. Or do you think, because Trent, maybe you're good insight on this because you built a lot of those RFIs for content. Do you think they can really get away with 
just going down the RFA path. I think I think they're going to want what we've achieved in the ITM world. Um, I think the ITMs lack a little bit of what um, what they're trying to do. I think that there's that you know there's a gap to bridge there. Um, they do a lot more bending than we do. Mm-hmm. ITMs haven't solved that very well. Um, you know, we can we can create bent ITM fittings, right? But how do you? But can we create a pipe that is bent and do? You know, like the, there are some things that that are lacking. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think they live in that world because they haven't seen what we've done in the world that we're in. But I, I do think they're going to start to ask for it. I don't know what it what it'll yeah. come of it. But they have some different objectives. I mean, but yeah, the labor, all that stuff. I mean, who who isn't going to want all that costing labor? Different. I mean, and you can accomplish that in the RFA world. Don't get me wrong, you can. It's a monumental undertaking, but you, you can. So, um, how many how many electricals, Brad, have you run into that are using ITM? Man, I don't run into. It just never happens. Yeah, uh, I have to. I have to think it's the bending, right? It's something with the. I mean, they're they're bending full runs of conduit, so it's got to have something to do with it. I I'm not aware of an ITM that is accomplishing that very well at the moment. So, I what did you do for I I had the same problem with PEX, right? PEX was a giant pain in the butt with ITMs. I mean, I could get totally right. Land. Well, there, there's 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 some that there's patterns that bend and do handle that fairly well. And you have to be you have to use design line. So this is you know just in CAD. The problem is is those patterns don't work in Revit. Hmm. Yeah, and so people have abandoned that, and so few, you know, took content to where you know design line was really used. You know, just your companies that really understood it the rest had no idea and so those patterns just didn't get used so they're there and andy has said every itm can be used in revit if they would just let it so that's kind of the frustrating thing So we just need to get someone from Autodesk on this for the next show yeah. and just fry them a little yep. bit. Yeah. yeah, why, why? Uh, <laughs> so I, I think that's part of it. I know that um, a lot of the assemblies that I've built in the mechanical and plumbing world where we bend copper I've to feed, because we have tools that we're feeding pipelines to, right? So I've always cheated that where there might be something in wall where the pipe comes down and comes out like to a, to a lavatory. Um, and I just have uh, model groups in Reddit that have like the caps where they belong, but I just draw the pipes straight because I'm feeding the machine a cut length. So, I mean, we found ways to cheat it, but to do that in like a horizontal rack system throughout a building, that would be tough, right? I mean, so I could see the frustration on their end. Yeah, and for bending conduit, it's actually all of their bends are different, man, which is what's killing me. Because we're, we're 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 like messing with that, and we can solve it. But like the machine, you can have the same machine produced by the same manufacturer, buy two heads off of it of the same size, and bend the conduit, and it will be different takeoff. That's how frustrating what they're doing is. Yeah, I mean, you know, come on. We got to figure that out too. I, I deal with that. You know, I deal with a fab shop that says, well, if we, you know, if this welder welds it, it's an eighth inch gap. But if that welder welds it, it's a three sixteenth gap. Or, you know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, we can't, you know, do the, do the inmates run the asylum or what, you know, what's going on here? You know, <laughs> at, at, at what point do you, eh? You know the the madness has to stop somewhere. I mean, you have to you have to figure that out. There's got to be some kind of standard to what you're doing. So, I I just thought it was awesome that that that's a, that so much of the market has come back to it. Um, if only because it's something I know, so I don't have to learn something new. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> that's probably the reason I think it's so nice. But but um, it, Brad, you know, like we we were originally going to have you on here with a guy that's designing content for an owner. He, we have a guy who's designing content for like one huge owner that just said they they actually did what the contractor did and said forget it we're not going to buy stuff yeah. we're just going to go and i still think we might make that stuff. episode happen i just yeah, yeah. Right. But, but what do you think about the databases that you've seen that have been like that are they like the databases that we saw that are just really freaky or are are they usually relatively well put together like who builds the best databases man <laughs> Other than you. Other than you, yeah. It's the companies that actually are using that to fabricate and do the cut list because that's where you find out whether it's right or not. Mm. They start, yeah. you know, sending that to the tiger, stop cutting. It better be right. So yeah. the companies that have really adopted it and have been in it for a long time and seen the value and invest the money, then they end up making their databases right. Yeah, almost all of them. They'll give you the great story of what they went through to get it there, mm. uh, but they were allowed to. You know, the funding was there, the time was there, and they were able to do it. And th and that's the biggest thing. You you just can't kind of half go at this. It, it, you got to jump all in. What advice would you give somebody that wants to jump all in? Where should they start? Boy, that's still a tough one. It's still a tough one because, okay, here's your choices. You get the uh, the subscription ones that uh, you can't control. You're at their mercy. Uh, there's only a couple others that offer a package that's not going to meet your needs. Uh, and then you're going to have to learn or you're going to have to pay somebody to do it. And so... For those new ones, that that is still a tough one. It really does take somebody with some sort of vision to understand what that what that impacts down the down the chain, right? I mean, someone to kind of understand what bad what designing with bad content can do. Yeah, would I mean it? It messes everything downstream up, right? I mean, I can tell. I I always joked when when we were, um, you know, we we built out a process and we, you know, we worked through VDC and I joked after we got through a lot of it that our procurement agent or project managers or whatever, when those bombs hit, like I could, I could put in that bomb, like one bag of navel oranges or, you know, and like it, it, it'll get ordered. I mean, it, it got to the point where it was like, I mean, you talk about trust, right? I mean, like, so you have to trust the, mm -hmm. The information that you're that you're detailing i mean and the only way you're going to get to that level is if is if the shit is right you know mm -hmm. it's uh that's how important it is and, and you'll never get to that le and i think that joke is kind of fun you know but i think that that's a decent place to be where it's like i could put whatever the hell i want in there and that guy's gonna order it does, does that mean does that mean he's an incompetent purchasing agent Maybe not. Maybe maybe he just knows to trust what's coming to him. You know, it's uh. So, well, if they don't do that, I mean, we've all had like I had a PVC underground for an entire dormitory, and they decided to change manufacturers on the larger Ys. They're like, what could happen? What what could go wrong? <laughs> and and it was only an inch off and three degrees, you know. And it's like three degrees off on the Y, and then an inch off on the length, and then everything went in wrong. And the foreman wanted to strangle me to death. <laughs> right. Well, but they're trusting your yeah. input, right? So, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like, like I, I do deal with a lot of people starting out, and I don't know what to tell them. Like, like, like it's like you're not going to be able to compete with with Mechanical Ink, with North, with those other people without a database. Like, you need something, right? There are places to start, guys. Yeah, I mean, I know we don't start with a content pack. You we put don't somebody plug. in charge of it, right? And we're not paid by anyone here to plug, but I mean, you know, Brad, you could. I mean, there are people like VBS out there, right? That, that, yeah. that you can reach out to. They're uh, MicroDesk. Um, they offer a, a good service as well. ATSI. I mean, 
Yeah. Yes, I, there's yeah. look, there, there's people out there. Um, you have to tell them what you want, right? I mean, it, it's a matter of you've got to decide what you want your content to say and what you want it to do. But there's people out there that can help you along the way for sure. Was there a way to determine the price point, Brad? Like for a small mm, contractor, that's a like really how much it's going to cost to 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 implement like an ITM database in your company? Well, like you guys mentioned, all of them are the pricing kind of similar. Uh, and as far as building content, everybody that has built their own, it, it, those little packages, they may not do everything you need them to do but the price is cheap because you'll still get thousands of items for pennies on the dollar. And so they are a great start. Uh, you know, VBS offers are great. And, and my brother, he just started, uh, he kind of ditched the package still and just asked him, what do you want? Let's get the basics in there of what you mm. want. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And we'll yeah. and we'll start there. Then they get that package. So at least they know when they get it, they already know what's in there. And uh and he's the only that, one doing it. He's the only one doing that. Yeah. That's better than digging through a bunch of stuff and realizing that you're missing a manufacturer or something. Well, I think you're also telling the contractor to do something they should have already done. And that's let's decide what your freaking basic structure right. is right i mean <laughs> because because the easy answer is to sit there and say well i need it all you know well i might have well a, that's what they say yeah i know <laughs> but okay well maybe we need to talk about your process here a little bit <laughs> do you need it all i mean to one one database and uh and i forget i forget the exact numbers but it was just let's just say tens of thousands of items. They were so proud of how big their database was when the guy was just literally pirating it from everywhere he possibly could and just getting this giant database. And, you know, you run a script across their database to what is actually in services that they are modeling with. And it's 1200 items. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and so... Quantity uh, is is not the key. No, it's uh, not. No, no. I, I kind of like what you're saying. Uh, what your brother's doing there at VBS, like, let's pin these guys down and say, don't don't look at every project you have. Don't tell me every possible. There's one thing in construction that we know is going to happen. Change. We mm. get it. I I completely understand. But let's pretend that a change didn't happen. What are you going to use? Let's build service templates. Let's build. If no, you know, if nobody told you what you had to install, what would you install? And let's start there, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that that's got to be the simple place to start. I kind of like that. And then it's, and, and then it, as as you get awarded jobs, it has something you don't have. Okay, now we need this. Right, see, because right. we own those plastics, you know, they're going crazy. We can then get this into our database and work from there. Yeah, I like yeah, that. I like it. That's a good idea. So that's a good place. Yeah, for all you contractors out there looking for, a, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe VBS can work with you. You know, somebody. Uh, you know, where's it? Where's the starting point? Just yep. I think you hit it, Trent, right? Your starting point is figure out what in the world you use. What the hell are you going to actually yeah, use? Before yeah, before you call any of these people, because he's just, <laughs> Scott's just, Scott's just going to ask you, know what in the world you want to use. I, I think the part part. Or Trent, Scott's going to say, I don't care. I'll build whatever the hell you right, want. Right, right. You're, you're going to keep paying me. <laughs> but, but come on, guys. Let, let's stop and think for a second. What do you really need? You know, and the easy answer is all of it. But... Right. You know, how many times do you hear that? And it's well, all of it, all of it's gonna be a five million dollar venture, guys. Let's you know, let's think about yeah. One of my favorite ones is they want a product line build. What do you need? We want it all. Okay. Do you need a repair coupling? Yeah, you know, are you gonna model when you're gonna make a mistake? Right. You know, so, <laughs> yeah. no, no. There there are 
so much in those catalogs and yeah. and so much of it will never it takes, ever be modeled it takes 30 minutes to go through a catalog and eliminate what you know you're not going to want just right. take the 30 minutes to i mean we look at something like uh i know microdesk is at, i think it's like 65 bucks an item i don't know what i don't know what vb you know but there's a cost to these items right 30 minutes to go through a catalog and eliminate 30, 40% of it. I mean, you know, just take it upon yourself. You don't need it all. Yeah. So everybody thinks they need everything though, man. It is, it right. is the case. Right. Well, it's the it's easy the, answer. Yeah. It, it's yeah. The, yeah. It's the getting stung. It's, it's being there and going, I don't have the valve I need and I'm drawing and it has to go out tomorrow and you don't have a workflow for when you're missing parts. And I, I, I thought, I thought one of the things that we did well at a couple of firms I worked with was we wrote down a workflow for when you're missing a part. Like, this is what you do when you're missing a part. Yeah. We have mm -hmm. an item for it. You can adjust the, the dimension that is the, the yeah. takeoff based on the submittal. Although we found out, and this sucked. We found out that the submittals freaking it was like get it is the sub, dimension on the submittal correct and it was well, yeah, it was like crap. yeah that's a, not, that's another podcast that's a even, whole other podcast then we fab to it and we even called them up we said the dimension on your submittals wrong they said read the little note at the bottom these weren't yeah. validated submittals and we're like well, they're gonna send us validated minister. submittals yeah, that yeah. I finally started copying those little captions. We are not liable for any dimension <laughs> on this, you know. And and that was probably one of the scariest things of building content for others. What if it's wrong? They're gonna try to come after us. It's like, oh boy. I mean, you have to understand, even and another one of my favorite was manufacturer, major manufacturer we've all heard of. Well, they have a couple different places these copper fittings are made. And they're different. <laughs> oh boy! Yeah. Then what? So and it goes on and on. I can probably uh, call them out. I probably know who you're talking about. <laughs> I think we can all call out a bunch of people. Yeah, we could. Uh, we could throw a lot of people under the bus. So manufacturers here. out there know that we know who you are, <laughs> but we're just being nice. But hey, doesn't mean we give up doing what we're trying to do, right? Mm. I mean, right. that's. Make it the best we can. At least you have a leg to stand on at that point. It's like if if you can prove that your content is dated off of the most recent submittal to the I mean, let that be your fight, right? I mean the yep. contractors need to know that you can fight that. But yeah, I mean just get your data current. Get your I mean that's what it's all about. I, well it's it it leads back to a little bit of what Brad said earlier. We were talking about why hasn't this happened on a grand scale. And I think I think it's because we as contractors haven't pushed hard enough. And, and I think of it just from the helm standpoint, I don't know that we could because we're all over the place with what we use. So we're not going to, we were not, we, we're not the type of company that's going to say, go to one manufacturer and say, if your contact content is perfect, we're going to use all your stuff all the time. And I, I don't know. I don't know what else it would take. It would take some sort of weight like that. Um, <clears throat> but the submittal slot in the selection process and the buyout process is just so scattered all over the place. We're back to, well, I just need everything and it all needs to be perfect. Travis, I was talking to an architect and, and I, I was listening to a conversation between an architect and a contractor. And he's like, well, show me the approved submittal. And I thought to myself, I've never had approved submittal ever in my life. I've had reviewed submittals plenty of times, but I've never had a submittal that said freaking approved on it. So we That's can't. That's another argument. Well, no, but like we can't even get like we're not disciplined enough to even get the architects to say they approve our stuff, and they're asking for it. And he was taken aback. He's like, "Well, we approve those." I'm like, "No, dude, your engineers that work for you do not approve right. submittals. They review submittals, and and they make sure we know that it's." It is a it is a weird market, man. You're right. It's like, what do we need to do to make it so that separate they... separate episode there? Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, no. right. <laughs> Get Nathan on here. He can talk about the submittal process and delay. I think the point of this is just get your data right to as you know it, mm -hmm. as it exists in the moment, and be that that's your risk mitigation, right? 
I mean, yeah, something might get built opposite of what the submittal reads, but that's out of your control. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm not sure what you do there, but if you get the, if you get the rest of it, right. I mean, you're still covering well over 90% of what you're doing easily. Mm -hmm. So, but do you think maybe that's what's keeping some of the big players away from really solving the content issue is that you're still liable for the dimensional data because there can be a whole lot done, a lot of damage done from wrong Yeah, data. probably. It comes right from the manufacturer. And well, so their, their submittal's wrong, right, Brad? I mean, exactly. So, so, so you build these items with the data you have, which is from the manufacturer, and it ends up being wrong. So then what big player is going to step in and say, okay, I'm going to take data that we know is incorrect and build this massive database, tell everybody this is what we're going to use. And then when something's wrong, oh, crap. And so I don't think we're going to get somebody stepping in. Uh, you're 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 going to get me going on a whole other rabbit hole here <laughs> because you know uh, part of me thinks they don't want us to know all that very you know so uh, yeah I think I think this is a, another feather in the hat of the suppliers of how they're going to try and manufacture more but um, yeah. That could be a whole other talking point. Yeah. So, well, speaking of of that, we're right up against the hour, man. Is is there anything uh, you want to say to, to sort of close things out, Travis Trent? Uh, no, other than thank you, I, I love geeking out about content. I think that um, hopefully we didn't lose too many of our our non MEP friends out there that that listen in. <laughs> Brad, thanks so much. It's, it's great talking to somebody that gets into it with the level that you do. It is fun. Right on. Trent, anything? I've said enough. <laughs> you know, I, I said uh, yeah, Brad, thanks for coming on. And, and you know, I know, I know when we started the dorks, we said we were going to do something that was a little bit geekier than all of the other shows. And I think that we proved today that we can go um, into the deepest levels of <laughs> right. nerddom um, and, and, and still, still have fun talking about it. <laughs> So, uh, this has been episode 56. <laughs> yes. Yes.